Welcome to the Virtual CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping service-based businesses achieve success. Are you a business owner interested in learning how to scale your business? Has your business reached over $1 million in annual revenue? Then this podcast is for you. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, I am joined by Jody and Adam, and we have an awesome guest that I'm really excited to, to talk to. We have uh, Casey Cobb from one of our clients, um, Project Ricochet, and he has a really amazing story to tell us, and so I'm not going to give him much of an intro because I don't want to steal his thunder here, but um, before we get to your story, Casey, do you want to give us a little bit of background on your company and kind of how you came to Summit and um, kind of those first couple years with us? Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I led and lead a digital agency and my partner at the time, um, who I've since bought out of the company, he was looking for, like his responsibility was kind of the stuff that Summit does for us now. And he's like, man, I just really don't want to be doing this. And so let's look for, we, we needed a tax person. We, we had somebody helping us with our books, but we didn't really have any strategy. We had some spreadsheets and stuff. And our tax person who was like my dad's tax person when what's that i am getting up there in age but still yeah well she was just like she for his firm the firm they were like hey we're this isn't our core thing and unless you move a bunch of money with us because we do find that's where we make mm-hmm. our money is the financial stuff we're just not gonna we're not gonna really be available for taxes anymore and i'm like well i got all my money in index funds like i don't need it to be managed right so then we were looking for people and there's all sorts of snake oil and, you know, people out there. And, um, you know, we finally, I've, I think we learned about you guys at one of the um, owner camp events, yep. or maybe we had known about you before, but we started the talk and um, I would never go back. It was a, a, an amazing decision. Uh, so yeah, that's how we found you guys, and you know, key part of the team on on many fronts since then. So it's been great. Wow, thanks, thanks. So definitely <laughs> step up from the tax person. You're saying, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In case yeah, I'm heart I'm heartbroken. Yes, I, I definitely remember. Um, it was at uh, the bureau event. Actually, it was San Francisco because that was the very first one that I had ever attended. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like a different, um, a whole different thing. So we had quite the quite the crew at uh, that San Francisco event whenever we were there. Why are you heartbroken? What's that? You said you're heartbroken? Yeah, because you don't remember. Yeah, that, that was like, <laughs> right whenever, I was like, that was my first time. And you just were like, well, yeah, maybe I met I you talked before. To so many, uh, I talked to so many uh, CPA firms, though. You know, like you're just one of the... Oh, now, oh, now you're, no, now, yeah, now, now you're <laughs> digging in because I remember actually, Casey, that conversation, you kind of changed the way that I, I pitch because um, I can't remember you were going back and forth. I mean, it was like a technology conversation. I remember it was like Drupal versus WordPress and you and somebody else were just like, and there was a lot of adult beverages. So we were drinking and having a good time, but, and then you'd kind of started talking to me about what we do and how we do it. And uh, we were talking a lot and I was, you know, I was giving you my good pitch. I was telling you what we do and how we do it and justifying, you know, basically what we do. Um, And I was talking a lot about the tactical stuff. Like we can do your bookkeeping, we can do all this other stuff. And and then, oh, by the way, we do all the strategy and advisory stuff for free, you know, because I was really leading with the tangible stuff first. And and you were the first one to really call me out on it. You were like, 
you know, Adam, I heard you talk like your, your whole thing sounds amazing, but it's what strikes me is that you start off with like, this is really good feedback. You're like, you really talk to me about all this other like accounting stuff that I could really care less about. I would pay that fee that you were talking about just to talk, you know, cause it's all about the strategy part of it. And so that made me kind of rethink how I presented, how I talked about our services to clients a lot. Um, yeah, was actually great. that moment. So, so yes, I was a little heartbroken, but because it was I'm, so meaningful to me. Don't, don't feel bad, Casey. <laughs> this happens all the time. People don't remember meetings with Adam, so don't. You're not the only one. So don't yeah, feel they bad. They always remember meetings with me. So I think that's it. It's interesting because I have discussions with people all the time where I tr- I'm always trying to take something from that discussion, and um, I just pick out these kernels that kind of stick with me. Like actually, I was talking with a guy who who. Uh, a friend of mine who I ended up not utilizing the thing that he sells for many years, but something that stuck with me for like years is um, he told me once like, Hey, if you're going to do a deal, like just set the conditions that make sense for you. Like just, and then just stick with that. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like don't kick it out of hand and then not accept it because you're worried about all these things. Just say, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to make 500 bucks an hour or something, you know, like whatever, just whatever and see if it works and if it doesn't whatever and that stuck with me like that basic concept right and uh five years later i was talking to him i was like dude you said something that like stuck with me for years <laughs> he's like what the hell i don't even remember having that kind of like yeah your dad talked to you that. And he's like yeah my dad did but i don't even remember telling you that <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's crazy go. how that works because that's, that's funny. That conversation that you just talked about, it's something that Adam and I talk about all the time is like, you know, this is the services we provide and like, you know, we want to make sure we find the find the right fit. The last thing you want to do is try to sell someone, sell someone into a, a service they don't belong in. You want to get them in that right that right service level so that, that makes um, a lot of sense. So um, let, let's start going down your story a little bit, Casey. So I know you had a, a turning point a couple years ago here. So if you want to um, kind of go into that and again, what, what that turning point led to and kind of some of the thoughts you had coming away from that. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, the digital agency space has gotten, I mean, to say it's gotten crowded over the past decade is like the understatement of the century. Like you just, we had open source technology that became a thing. All of a sudden, all these people that couldn't afford million dollar projects now could afford $100,000 projects. People that couldn't afford 100000 now could afford $10,000 projects. So like it just lopped a zero off of the cost at least. And so people just, there was just a tremendous influx of work and, you know, a ton of agencies crowded into that space. And then like the crunch happened and COVID was just like the, the final Mike Tyson punch out on, <laughs> on that kind of like end, you know, process that, that happens. But my, through over the past 10 years, my business partner and I were trying to figure out the solution to that. And it became clear that we were going to, we were kind of trying to figure out different, we were going down different trajectories. And um, so we've, you guys helped us broker a deal because we just couldn't come to even a starting point. And we finally, you know, as we do with you guys, I say, Hey, here's the problem. Can you turn it into something tangible that we can, you know, some sort of a, a fulcrum that we can push against to come to an accord. And we did that and we did a deal. And then it was, me and you guys basically running the company. And I had found uh, out like a couple of years before that I had a brain tumor that the doctor, my Kaiser doctor was like, don't worry about it though. It's not a big deal. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he's like, it's in the middle of the brain. It's not cancerous. We can tell because it's this kind of thing. It's the world's rarest brain tumor, but it's not cancerous. So don't worry about it. Every six months I would get it scanned and it would grow like a little bit, but then they're like the way the MRI takes the measurement, it could be a different, it could be a different size. It, it could just be the same thing, but it's just different level of it. So it could be um, the same. And every six months it got bigger. And then like the third six month scan, it had grown like 40%. And he's like, oh, wow. don't worry about it. Yeah. I was like, Dude, <laughs> when do you start worrying about this? Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, Kaiser's got this reputation. And uh, so I, I talked with a specialist, like actually I went into a Facebook group for the super rare condition and everybody in there was like, just talking about how they're, they're like Dory, the fish memory. Like they have permanent short-term memory loss when they oh, got wow. this thing removed. I did an informal poll, like a Facebook poll and like over 75% of the people had had like severe long-term short-term memory loss. Wow. I was like, Holy crap. I dude, I'm barely hanging on like with my brains that I have, <laughs> like, if, gonna, if I'm going to lose half of them, like, Holy crap, I can't keep up. Right. And so, uh, somebody pulled me aside and they're like, you have to find the best person for this condition. You can't just, you can't just, uh, leave it to some guy who's never done it or has done it a couple of times. Like you need to find the expert. So I found the expert and I sent my scan to him and he was like, dude, you need to have this out now, like right away. And I was like, Oh crap. So I talked with you guys and you guys referred me to a guy who, who basically we didn't have, because we have a bunch of employees in different States. We didn't have a healthcare plan, like a company healthcare plan. We were just basically adding it into the comp for the employees. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to roll out a healthcare plan that could let me be seen by that guy um, within like oh, wow. two weeks. And, um, and then, uh, and so then I had that covered and then I like prepared my estate, like my estate trust. I did like everything, put a will together, put the, like I wrapped everything up because I'm a partner in a brewery as well. I don't know that I ever told you that, but I've got mm -hmm. another. Yep, sure did. Yeah, it's a, it's a um, yeah, you've probably heard indirectly because I've got a complex mm -hmm. case. Dave's like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's um, drunk. Every <laughs> yeah. So I had this big mess to like wrap up and like tidy up because, you know, I could die. Like I could go into this thing and, and either come out severely disabled or, or die. So like I prepped all that stuff. and. Um, you know, went and had the surgery and, um, came out fine. Like th this guy was a pro. He's like the best surgeon for this condition. He's done hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And it, it took me about like, I got about 1% better every day. So I was having like the way that they, the reason people have short-term like, permanent memory issues is that the doctors are so worried about bleeding in the third ventricle, the middle of the brain where this thing is, they get in and they cauterize the whole inside of your brain. Like they just zap it to prevent bleeding. Mm -hmm. But when they zap it, they zap like your, your personality and memory. <laughs> like, so like they just, they just fry the whole system to keep it from sparking. That's why you're cool now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My wife did. After it. <laughs> My wife was a little disappointed. She was like, I thought you were going to come out like, you know, different <laughs> same guy uh so um so anyway the uh came out and i was having like like dealing with the stress of oh yeah this, this is the best part so right when i came out of it two of my biggest clients were like hey we have to pause on everything 
because of just the way the budgeting is working. So like the clients that we were hanging on to, to like keep going, our works dropped from like hundreds of hours a week to like 10 hours a week, like nothing wow. dropped wow. down, like the bottom fell out. And I was like, Oh crap. So I'm dealing with like just my life collapsing my uh, I'm dealing with like cognitive issues from the surgery because my brain got all scrambled and like just anxiety issues in general from the condition. And then you just add on like gasoline to the fire and the brewery was having challenges, like everything, the worst it could possibly get. And I was like, all right, so Tom, what do we do, man? <laughs> my, my, my son, at, you know, CFO, he's like, all right, let me make a plan. And um, he came up with like a runway based on the cash in the bank that you guys advocate that we should have. And he's like, all right, this is what you can do. So I was like trying to figure out how to get more work, but I was just chasing after just commodity, like just stuff that is not survival. I mean, just survival, subsistence stuff. That's not how you're going to grow your company. Right. And then I talked to a mentor of mine and he was like, dude, just shrink down to the size that you need to shrink down to. And like, and then just figure out your way forward. And I was reading, I read Blue Ocean Strategy. Like I read a bunch of books at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, what's the Blue Ocean? I was like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to figure it out. So I, I, uh, I basically just told the team, like, find new jobs. I'll pay you to find new jobs right now. I've got money in the bank. I'll just pay you guys. Like, what do you need? They said, well, we, most people were like, okay, if you could pay me half of my salary, that would be enough for right now. And I was like, okay, you don't even have to do anything. Just go find jobs. And they did. Everybody found jobs. They're all great, great folks. And I went down to just me and my admin. And I signed up for this. Like, you know how on LinkedIn you get these like market, these LinkedIn spam things? Oh, yeah, like, hey, all the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> Drive well, this the ball. <laughs> yeah, in 2018, that was a new thing. So I signed up for that, like a service to do that, just to like talk with, uh, CTOs and CIOs to like try to understand the problem, like what is the new blue ocean, right? And um, I talked with like probably like 50 people, maybe 100 people, and they're all waiting for the sell. But I was like, I don't have anything to sell. I'm not selling you anything. I'm just trying to understand. So I like, I kind of validated the, the problem. And the problem that I saw was that everybody is looking to external teams, like technical, not external teams, technical teams to solve their pain. And then they give the technical team the problem or the pain. And then the technical team tries to come up with a solution for it. And they're really bad at that. Like technical teams, like technical people get lost in the weeds all the time. They get fixated on stuff that doesn't matter. They spend way more time. Like it's not their money. So they just like, it's like if you were trying to buy, um, you know, a, a dresser for your house and you found somebody, the, the only way you could get dressers, you thought, was like to, to have somebody build one. And this guy's like building stuff from like ancient redwood, old growth stuff. And he's carving in like all sorts of halls of dressers. You know, yeah, like he's like, he's like, I'm almost done with the, you know, the, the, the ornate decoration of the history of, you know, your people. <laughs> You're like, what? Dude, I just want to store my socks, right? Yeah, like, exactly. and, an Ikea dresser would be fine, but you didn't know that that was an option, right? And this person's certainly not going to give you an Ikea dresser for, for a hundred bucks, right? He wants to spend four years creating a masterpiece. that's going to like, quote unquote, last. And um, he may or may not even ever deliver it. It may never work. It may never, the drawers may never open, right? And that's what technical work is right now. Like you go yep. to this tech team and they're like, okay, I'll start. 
and they just get lost. And there's the two principles that I found that I wrote, I ended up writing a book about was um, the Pareto principle and Parkinson's law, which is like 80, 20 rule, right? You get 80% of the way there and 20% of the time. Like, how can you, how can you instill that concept in your tech team? So like, that was like a huge, I was like, okay, there's, that's part of the puzzle. It's like, if you, if you think about it, 80, 20 rules everywhere, right? You get 80% of the accidents are caused by 20% of the drivers, 80% of the taxes are paid by 20% of the taxpayers, like all the 80, 20 is everywhere. So you could, if somebody had a hundred thousand dollar project that they needed to get done, if you could help them figure out what the 80% solution was, you could do it for $20,000, right? So it was a huge swing of what that thing could end up costing between the Ikea dresser and like the magic, the amazing built to built for a thousand years dresser. And I was like, okay. And then the other thing, you know, is like Parkinson's law, like the amount of time something takes is how much time you allot it, right? Like if you've ever slept past your alarm clock, you know, you can get out the door in like 10 minutes, right? <laughs> like you, you just brush your teeth and mm-hmm. get coffee on the way. And like, you just don't, you don't do the stuff that you do normally. You naturally find that Pareto, that 80-20 solution mm-hmm. in the morning, right? Because you don't need to sit there for 30 minutes browsing the news. You don't need to make coffee. You don't need to like do all these other things. You don't need to sit in your bed for 15 minutes browsing Reddit before you wake up. Like, you know, th- these are the things that you can cut out. Yep. So how can you instill those in your software process? I'm glad you gave a name to it because I've, I've always called Parkinson's theory Jody's theory because that's what he's always telling me. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah? every, every time I talk to him, he's always like, he's like, There's just, you know, people are going to fill their time. And so I've always called that Jody's theory. So I'm glad we know the real name behind yeah, it. Yeah, Parkinson's yep. law. So, yep. so like what I was trying to say, what I was trying to figure out is like, okay, I've been doing this for Rick, with, with my clients for years is like the, the best analogy, not to get lost in the tech work, is like, let's say you, were, you bought a spa on Costco.com for like $2,000 and you wanted to put it in your backyard. And you call the electrician and say, okay, I want to put it right here. And he says, okay, that's going to be $10,000 worth of electrical work to do that. And you're like, but dude, the spa was $2,000. I don't have $10,000 to install this. Like, I guess I can't have a spa, right? That's like most technical work. It's like, I want to do this thing. You're like, okay, it's going to be $500,000. You're like, oh, well, I guess I can't do it. What you would prefer that person to do is walk around your house and say, okay, but if you, if you put it over here, it's only going to be a thousand bucks because it's right next to the circuit box. And you know, it's going to be a simple job. And you might look at that spot and say, well, you know, the neighbors can kind of see it and it's under a tree. So there's going to be some leaves. I got to clean it out. But you know what, man, it's not $9,000 worth of inconvenience, right? Just put the spa there and all when I get a bonus at work or I win the lottery, I'll put it back where I actually want it. Right. It's good enough for right now. That discussion doesn't happen in technical work. Like people don't come around and say, Hey, this could be $5,000 or it could be, you know, $500. Here's how you can get it to be 500. And so like, how could we set that up? And so I developed this whole intake process and like estimating, like building, like how can you plug engineers into this whole machine so that if any one engineer leaves, it's okay because another engineer can see the whole thing and go, okay, I see what I can do. I see these tasks. I see how much time they're supposed to take. If you think that's going to be three, three hours, then here's what needs to be true to make sure that that happens. Like the whole feedback loop is like built in this beautiful machine. And like, I went to a bunch of people. I was like, where could I, where could I like have this machine, sell this machine rather than the people, right? I don't want to sell the, the development hour. I want to sell the machine, the orchestration layer. And I went to a bunch of people like uh, 
I talked to like um, coding boot camps and I talked to like, I talked to, I talked to a bunch of different organizations. And one time this guy was like, dude, if your thing is so amazing, why don't you just go sell that thing and just make a bunch of money? Like, why are you trying to get us to use it? And I was like, he's like, why don't you just use it to build stuff and not try to sell the system and then figure it out later. And I was like, you know what? Fine. <laughs> I'll just sell this thing then. So I went to all my clients and just said, hey, I'm not selling you development by the hour anymore. I'm selling you this process. We're going to plug people into it and then I'm going to deliver it. It's going to be the same to you, except it's going to be way cheaper. I'm just going to mark this up like 25 bucks an hour right now. That's what, that's what I do. I just add 25 bucks an hour under the cost of what, whoever I find to plug into this process and do the work. So now I'm working with like Fortune 5 companies to do this. I'm working with a number of digital agencies because the pain for digital agencies is like they have fluctuating work and they may not have the ability to keep these guys busy all the time, right? So then they're just like stuck with this one guy who specializes in this one technology. Right. And what I can do is to like marketing agencies or design agencies or even development agencies, it's like, hey, with your clients, use this process to like really understand the need and come up with an estimate get that cemented and dude, I'll spin up a high performing engineering team in like, you know, a week I can have folks from all over the world plugged in and I'm just going to tack on a small fee per hour for this management. And then when we're done, we dissolve them or you keep some people that you want if you still have an ongoing need. And we actually did that for this agency that had this like start date that they didn't know when it was going to start because the client was delaying. And then mm -hmm. finally, after like two years of like kind of stringing along, they uh, were like, okay, we got to go now. We got to have it done like, in three <laughs> like, months. We got to have this, you know, thousand hour project done. I was like, all right, click the machine, got a bunch of people plugged into it. And we were up to like two to 300 hours a week of work delivering between front end, back end, um, a data migration specialist, a QA oh, wow. guy. Um, they had the design all covered, but we spun up this team. We had one guy who kind of like flunked out really quick and we could see it because our machine is like, hey, red alert. And then we were able to counsel him and coach him. And when it was clear that it wasn't going to work, plugged another guy in, just barely a blip. We hit the deadline. And then at the end of that, everybody went, you know, down for the, for the people. Like one of the guys stayed on my team and I've got, I've had him on other projects since, but like they scale up and scale down and they don't have to worry about creating this perfect bespoke team every single time. And to wow. meet to them, it's amazing because they can still make their standard rate. They pay less than they otherwise would have even in some cases. Um, and then they've, they like all that stress, the same thing that you guys helped me with when I was coming out of this thing. Like, I just know that when I have a problem, I go to my CFO and say, Hey, help me solve this. They come to my firm and I help them solve those technical challenges. And then they don't have any, they don't have to carry that team after the fact. It's like engineering as a service. So that was the new blue ocean that I found and all the wow. four things that I was doing to solve my clients needs before I, I just sell as an actual like you know system now mm -hmm. and I've been scaling that up I wrote the book um got it right here actually nice, so flipping nice. the script oh. right? yeah there we go. Um, how, and in fact Parkinson's book, Law I gave my designer this what's oh, that is it right there how do you get that book by the way is it on uh where's it at Apple uh you mean the the printing yeah, where do you, how, how can I get, how can I get that book? Oh, how can you get the book? No, yeah. I don't. I don't have it on. Um, I can just send it to you. Okay. I just I just I just send it out. Like I didn't put it on Amazon because um, the thing is, I'm I'm how do I say this? 
the whole the title of the book is flipping the script because I think that it's really unfortunate how engineers have become like the king of the castle for technical work, and like they're they fall victim to all these cognitive biases, right? Like over engineering, overbuilding, combative, like blaming you when they delivered something that wasn't right, and like people are really frustrated with this. So my whole thing is like let's build the plan and plug the engineers into the plan rather than going to them and saying, please save me. Oh, you know, King. Right. Right. And um, so I know that if I put this book on Amazon, like the people that I'm dethroning are going to like, just flame it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll just send the book out and I'll control the review process of it. Um, but I'll say, yeah, I'm happy to send you a book. I would, I'd, I'd love to. So we can, yeah, we'll get your email address out there, but you want to just plug it right now so we can have people email you, but we'll also have it in the show notes. Yeah. Just uh, Casey at projectricochet.com. And ricochet is spelled uh, different than most people spell it, right? It's uh, R-I-C-O-C-H-E-T. It'll be on the show notes. But everybody always puts R-I-C-H-O-C-H-E-T. Like it's just a common but, Well, they just can't thing. spell. I mean, what, what can we say? Dude, but everybody <laughs> can't spell. That's the problem. Like everybody <laughs> in the world. So like if I were to go back and pick a new company name, I probably wouldn't pick that because I have to, every time <laughs> I have that. to say, okay, I'm not saying that you would misspell this, but I think you probably would misspell this. So let me spell. <laughs> Dog company. It's a little easier to spell. So, so question on the on the uh, on your on your clientele. You know, what, what what's the um, what's the client size that typically would actually benefit from from this? It sounds like really any size of uh, any size of business. Am Dude, I, that's I the wrong, thing is like this process doesn't care whether the project is you know a $500 project or a $5 million project. Like I've literally done this for super tiny stuff. I have clients that are just tiny little clients who use the help for this. And I have clients, I have, you know, it's a hard two of work, the Fortune man. 5 companies like using this right now. And I have wow, wow. prominent universities and like, you know, they just know that they come with a problem. We chop it up. Say, here's what the size of it's going to be. Do you have anybody who can plug into this on your end? Oh, you do? Okay, let's take these two guys. And then we're going to need, based on the math, we're going to need three more people. We're going to find those folks. Do you, do you have to have them in? Like some people can only do domestic engineers. Mm, some sure. people don't really care. They can go, we can go to Eastern Europe or Latin America or wherever. Mm-hmm. And we can resource those folks for less expense, for less money per hour. And then we build the team. There's also a thing that I've, I've called, I built a video, I can, or I had a video made that I can send you that I call it my space station model, where you have like an integrator domestic or within your company. Mm-hmm. And then we spin up these engineers the way we chop up the work. They may not even know who they're doing it for, but they okay. have these specific tasks that they deliver to the integrator on your end. Then that person kind of integrates it and puts it out to all the sensitive, system, sensitive systems with confidential information. So it allows you to scale up really quickly with that single choke point. And then if that person leaves within your organization, one of those external people can become that integrator for a short period. And then they can go back to being external at some point, kind of like, you know, how, how countries dock with the, the ISS, right? Like they can sure. just kind of like send stuff right. over and they mm-hmm. don't have to like be in it really. They just mm-hmm. kind of connect and then they That's go. That's pretty cool. So it can be super large, super small. That's why, you know, I think about it like orchestration layer, like there are services like Google Kubernetes or, you know, these, these things that like you don't, the cloud computing, you don't know the servers. You just know that you put or some, you push yeah. some code and it's just mm-hmm. available. Right. And then, it can scale up and down. And then when you're done, you can just turn it off and then it goes away. So it, Google doesn't care whether it's a tiny little thing or a huge thing, you know? Yeah. So if you, if, so if you're an agency though, and you have a team, but you maybe don't have a complete team, 
if you kind of plug into this this plan, this system, are you able then to just augment that? So I have, you know, three of the different disciplines that I need. And is that still a solution or does it have to be like the whole team? Absolutely. That's the whole idea, right? So the whole idea is that, you know, you like to use that example with the, um, the agency that I worked with, they had comps, right? They had designs and they're like, okay, we chopped it up into an estimate. Like a, a, I call it the five things analysis. So it's like a five by five. What are the five high level things? And then what are the five things within each of those five things? Oftentimes it's more than five and five. Sometimes it's seven and eight or whatever, but roughly we try to break it up into that. And then that turns into an estimate using an agile planning poker and then that turns into hours and dollars across the board. So it's like, okay, we have 500 hours of development work and like 500 hours of, you know, project management and QA and, you know, release management and like kind of X factor, who knows what could come up, like all that stuff. So it's like a thousand hours and you have two engineers who can give 20 hours a week. So we have 40 hours and you need to get this thing done within two months. Like if you divide 40 into a thousand, you know, there's no way it would take way longer, right? So we're trying to solve for in order to hit this deadline, we need to get, you know, an extra 150 hours a week. I'm not doing the math in my head, but another 150 hours a week, which is going to be if we get guys working 30 hours a week, right? Like this is how many engineers we need to find. And so they're going to work alongside, like, what are your folks going to do? What are our folks going to do? And how are we going to work together to be able to scale this up? And then we just, plug those things in. It does require that the other team to be following the same methodology unless, because if we're tracking budget and like alerting them, if stuff's going to go over, like we have to oh, be sure. on the same page, mm-hmm. but um, it's minimal. It's very easy to do that. And so, yeah, we can work alongside. And that's the whole thing is a lot of these people that are saying like, Oh, we want to do staff log or like give us everything and then we'll just deliver it. It's the same problem. You don't know if these people are going to actually deliver it. You don't know their practices or whatever. But what I do is say, okay, here's the, here's the zip line. Like, here's the system. We're going to run your folks down the zip line. You're going to run my folks down the zip line. And then when we're done, your folks stay, my folks disband. And then, um, and then we're ready if you, like in a future project, maybe your people can handle it. You don't need external work. But then at some point, you need to be able to snap your fingers and scale up 300 hours a week. That's really hard, man, because mm-hmm. yeah. engineers are a fickle bunch and it's yeah. hard to find in, in busy times, it's hard to find good people. And in tough times, like now it's hard to find good people because you just get so many applications. Of, like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't know, like you can't ever sift through it. And with technical people, you don't know whether they're a good fit until like you get into the weeds with them. And then you're like, Oh crap. Yeah. We have a bench. I mean, we promote <laughs> yeah. that all the time, but to have mm-hmm. a bench with a system on top of it that they can kind of plug in just kind of adds that extra layer to it that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people are missing. So yeah. yeah the thing that keeps me up at, at night is like, if I have a rock star, if that person quits, man, as an agency leader, I'm screwed because I have the relationship, I have the project, I have my reputation. And if you're an owner of a company, you know that you cannot trust from a week-to-week basis your intuition on how people are feeling. Like you, Everybody's been in that situation where you get this like, hey, can we talk? Yeah, and you're like, like, oh, oh sure. No. <laughs> and they're like, hey. Can we talk next year? I, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, no, we, we can't talk. <laughs> In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm unavailable until the end of this project, right? And then you get that thing, like, I got another job. I'm giving my two weeks. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just like, I'm out. And you're like, no, man, you just told me you were great. You just told me everything was fine. And, and like, you just, it's like, that's 
the thing. That's just, you just have to deal with that. And that anxiety used to eat at me, man. And now like, it's like, all right, I want, I wish you success. And I snap my fingers and then we've got more engineers that plug into it. Right. And then I don't have that anxiety anymore. Just like with, with you guys, like when I get anxious and I like email Dave, like, dude, can we talk? Cause I want to talk about taxes for like an hour. <laughs> and he's like, all right, let's do it. And, uh, you know, I just know that I have that. I don't have to deal with that anxiety anymore because you guys have it. You guys have it covered. Right. So, right. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Everything you've said there is, you know, basically what an accounting firm like what we're doing, we have the same issues, right? You know, we have, you know, the, the technical people are our accountants, you know, our accountants are telling them to do something. They'll go from A to Z and they won't think outside of the box. And, and we can't have that in our world. You know, they, our world's got to think outside the box. You know, our, they, they, they got to be more consultative than they do just simply going from A to Z. And it's, uh, it's amazing how, how similar the two, two really are. Yeah, I think that every, everything you talked about really does apply to, I was, as you're talking through a lot of things, I'm like, hmm, how, how can that help me in, in my job with running this accounting team? So I was, I was trying to think through a lot of what you were saying. And I think that, you know, this um, podcast is really helpful. I think you went down two very important paths. You, you talked a lot about, you know, how to run a successful project and what it takes and the things you need to look at. But also, you know, earlier, I think talking about, you know, kind of your, your change in vision and the things you did when you had that change in vision and kind of the conversations you had with your CFO and how important that was. So I think we've, we've unpacked a ton in this podcast, you know, we're, we're pushing time right here. So any final thoughts from anybody on the, on the podcast? Yeah, I do want to share one final thought that I thought was great from you guys is, sure, um, sure. so I did, when I was going through my brain surgery recovery and stuff and I was like, okay, I got to go down to just me. I got to build it back up. And like, I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of talking and I came back from the, you know, the, my vision quest. And I was like, all right, this is the path forward. This is what I have to do. And I told my, uh, some uh, CFO. So I told Tom, I was like, Hey, um, this is what we're going to do. And he was like, dude, that's pretty dramatic, man. Like, are you sure? He's <laughs> like, are you sure you're like, are you okay? Like, are you, uh, you know, you just got your brain drilled into like, are you good? Like, should I really be listening to you right now? Essentially. And, uh, I was like, yeah, man, like, here's the logic. Like you try to argue with me and he's like, all right, just wanted to give that little pushback and checkpoint to make sure we're good. And I thought that was so great because you, you need that. Like as a, as a boss of a company, you never get people who say, you know, like, Hey dude, <laughs> you know, like, uh, everything are you mentally there, right? Like it's always like, all right, let's do it. Or I disagree with you. Go to hell. I quit. Right. Like you right, get these right. two extremes. And then when, when I said, no, this is the future. This is how we're going to build this thing back up. Um, he's like, all right, here's how we're going to do it, man. And we made a plan and we've been executing on that ever since then. I mean, it's been over two years now and we're still marching toward this path. And every week, you know, Tom's like, all right, here's how we're progressing toward the plan we came together. We came with, you know, so many years ago. And by the way, I don't ever want to, uh, Lose Tom if you can't. Ever play. <laughs> Wait, is that my rock. Just we, about? we don't either. <laughs> he, just, he just asked for it. If, if I had time this afternoon. So, I don't oh shit! <laughs> I mean, shoot. Yeah, dude, he can't ever quit. Like, whenever there's like a new guy on the call, I'm like, hey, you're not leaving me, are you? you can't leave me. <laughs> no, that's great. awesome. That's awesome. Any uh, final thoughts from Jody or Adam? You know, dude, it's been great working with you. I mean, I, I do remember the San Francisco as well. I mean, I wasn't, Adam wasn't the only one there. And I remember you talking about the disc profile, like it was something 
uh, and we'd never heard of it at the time. And and you're going through and talking about how you're you're this, and your your wife is this, and you, you know you're breaking everything down. And it was it was pretty pretty cool. And that's what I got out of it big time because we went back and we started implementing that type of uh, service right away with our team just to to get that same feeling that you had with yours. So, you know, we 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 tend to learn as much about our our clients as our clients learn from us, which is uh, really cool in the relationship. And we look at it more as a partner relationship, not a vendor, you know, relationship type of thing. And I think that's uh, that's what you're trying to do as well. You're trying to be a partner with uh, with the companies you're working with, and not a vendor, which is uh, which is huge. Yeah, exactly. Yep, it's awesome. great, man. Throw it to you, Adam. Final thought here. Yeah, no, I just I agree with everything Jody said. I mean, I really appreciate the feedback and and learning from one another. And yeah, I do remember the disc profiles. You and Eric were going back and forth, and me and Jody were like, "What the hell are these guys <laughs> <Yeah>. talking?" <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember that or not, but it was. And disc was something similar. No, it was disc. It was disc. Because yeah, no, that was it was a good time, and definitely enjoy hanging out, and hope we get an opportunity post COVID to to be able to attend event together and, and uh, have a few drinks. Awesome. Well, thanks guys yeah. for joining the show. This is a great one. And thanks for joining us, uh, Casey. Thanks for Ray. Talk to you later. See you back. Thank you. All right. Enjoy this episode. Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving virtual CPA success. We're here to be a resource in this ever changing industry.